0: Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Koufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing the Grand Group at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan the the five game series the Twins hosted against the Detroit Tigers. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis, and with me as always is Dan Thompson. The Twins finish off a five-game series with the Detroit Tigers, taking four of five and evening the season series. It's a pretty good feeling to take four of five games, Dan. How are we looking?
1: You know, you were worried that they were going to maybe lose the season series to the Tigers, and now here we are.
0: I was worried that they weren't going to win it. Let's just make sure that we're clear on what we're talking about here.
1: Well, they're they're probably going to do that now, right? One more series I... to go. I guess it's just a two-game series, right? It's going to be important.
0: A very well could be and maybe maybe they'll win the series i hope they do but all i'm saying is that getting swept by them putting ourselves in a hole i wasn't gonna bet that the twins were gonna take the season series but yes certainly taking four out of five helps the cause
1: now i hate to say it david but i think we need to talk about eddie rosario just a little bit today
0: you know i think his name may come up i have been okay i can't even i'm too upset let's just let's wait to get there until we have to absolutely talk about it no 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 because here's
1: here's the best part is that i picked him this week to be (laughs) pockets pick and he was like the most popular player I think I don't know that Eddie has ever been more popular than he was during this five game series it's like every game something with Eddie was crucial to the game
0: oh my goodness I just can't get over it I mean he was trending on Twitter Dan I'm pretty sure he was number one in the USA trending on Twitter Eddie Rosario because of his absolute ridiculousness I just okay no let's okay we're not going to get into it again twins take four of five let's go ahead jump in game one it's a shortened game because it's a double head. Tell me about game one, Dan.
1: Wasn't this fun for you? Like the double... Oh, I love the double header day. Weird game, right? Because Polanco and Donaldson hit home runs and then no more runs for the rest of the game. It was really weird. I mean, it just... It felt like... Well, and this is what I was wondering. What did games feel like 50 or 60 years ago like is this what they felt like but nine innings instead of seven like this is a really quick game um you know it was it was fun to be done in what was it an hour
0: and 45 minutes well and it's crazy to think that a 2-0 game because it only went seven innings i mean those last two innings dan very well could have mattered
1: yes and i'm getting a little bit more on your side if i may seven innings is not enough for a major league baseball game because you get you get to that sixth inning and you're like there should be three more innings here but there's not like there's just this urgency you know and I didn't feel bad for the Tigers exactly but it was like this is the kind of game where a team sticks around it's two nothing you know maybe they should have a chance to win this game late and the Tigers just didn't
0: yeah well and it's so I mean again just twins win 2-0 Dobnik on the mound pitches five innings doesn't give up a run he only walks one strikes out four I mean he he had a solid performance even when he skipped those four hits. I mean, that guy, when he's on, he's on, Dan.
1: Yes, and he was great. And were you nervous when Taylor Rogers came in in the seventh?
0: Yes, I was very nervous. I was listening on the radio at that point, and I was like, are you kidding me? I thought we were taking a break from this.
1: But he, he had a better series, right? I mean, I think he, did he give up a run this series? He played in a few games, and he looked a little bit more himself dare we say
0: yeah i mean i think today was probably his best performance of the series certainly just he looked very dominant but we can get into that here when we jump into game 5 2-0 a very very boring baseball game dan but very seven innings the the two runs are literally scored in the first like 8 minutes of the game and then the rest of the game nothing happens like
1: if you had been at that game that would have been a disappointment. You know, he would have been like, all right, well, I'm glad they're playing two today. Yeah, I guess it, just the kind of win the Twins have been winning all season to some extent. Uh, but yeah, I mean, not a very exciting game. And Matthew Boyd, you know, remember when he was a, he was a trade target yeah. by all these teams? I mean, he's he's one and five with a six plus CRA. Like, I just don't get, I, I'm glad the Twins didn't trade for him last year or the year before.
0: Yeah, no, I am as well. But it is interesting. I mean, he went six innings and only gave up two runs, Dan. And granted, they were both solo homers. But I mean, this is basically what Pineda did today. And I'm going to praise him later. So I have to say for him to go in a seven inning game, he only had to pitch the only six innings that the t- the Tigers actually had to take care of. But I don't know. That's a pretty good start, I would say.
1: Well, that's a good point. I guess I'm looking more at the whole body because because you're uh, right. Yes, yeah. Because I did see that line and I thought, oh, that's pretty good Matthew Boyd. But to be one in five with a six year. You know, I got the one in five because with tigers, but at the same time, like. Is he been shutting other teams down that we are not shutting other teams down? Like I was just surprised. I, go, I was surprised to see his record. You're right. Given how well he did pitch in this game.
0: You do wonder too, how much he's been impacted by only playing the central division opponents, but we can, you know, I guess we could break down those stats another day. Let's, let's push forward here. Game two, again, another shortened game, but not quite Dan. <laughs> so it was, there were, it was a weird amount of innings played today, but the twins win three, two in an eight inning game that went to extras. Tell me about this one, Dan.
1: That was weird. Wasn't it? I mean, um, It it was weird to think of an eight-inning game that was extra innings. But how good was Jorge Polanco? I mean, this was the point where I was thinking, I should have picked him this week. I had missed the boat with picking him last series. Um, But he was huge. He had the game tying hit. Um, This is what you want a leadoff type guy to be doing. And then, yeah, it was just fun to see, fun to see, you know, a comeback again like this and and how cool was it to be the road team at target field it would have been so fun to be there for that
0: it was a very confusing time i was listening on the radio for part of it and watching uh on tv for part of it and it was one of those things where it's like i was getting all sorts of messed up and i was like why are the twins batting and it's a shortened game dan the whole world it was bizarro world for this game
1: it was and i was um just happy to see them this was again a scrappier win where the twins manufacture some runs at the end of the game to win a game that they needed to win really i mean like yeah you, Yes, you could split this game or split the, the day and you still have three more with them, but it was such a nice relief to win the first two against the Tigers and to keep that pressure on the Indians of White Sox because you, like, like you said before, you don't want to be doing splits or losing series to the Tigers.
0: Correct. Yes, that is not what you want to do. And this game, I mean, let's let's talk about the elephant in the room here. How frustrating to have the bases loaded, no outs, and you can't get a run, Dan? You can't get one run?
1: Well, that is kind of the state of baseball these days now, right?
0: Because no, no, don't give me well, <laughs> that garbage. You need to score a run.
1: I think you need to, but that's the reality of baseball now is we we, we don't have teams that know how to manufacture runs or hit the ball deep. Or, uh, I mean, I lament with you, but at the same time, it's like, well, that's, I bet that's more common now than it used to be.
0: Oh man, I was, that's I not was a good absolutely livid. No, it's really not you need to score a run. Anyway, Twins win this one 3-2 in extra innings. Air quotes here, folks, because it was a ridiculous 7-inning shortened game that needed an extra inning to go to the 8th. I can't even wrap my head around this logic anymore, Dan.
1: I mean, that's it's a it's the one time that's ever happened in Twins history, right? An in extra inning 8 an extra inning, eight inning game.
0: Oh man. We're gonna be Whatever. telling our
1: kids about this. Our grandkids. No, We're about not.
0: This. I'm gonna try and forget this game as much as I possibly can, Dan. Well
1: that's because you're gonna forget it because they're gonna do this every year now with a couple scheduled seven inning doubleheaders, and so you're just gonna be, oh yeah, that was just the, the latest thing to happen.
0: Oh man. But so this was a true bullpen game here. Uh Whistler, Pop Poppin', Thielbar, Clippard, Romo, May. We used the whole uh the whole group there. Poppin' really struggled. He was really only up uh, because of the doubleheader, but my goodness, he he didn't look right, Dan.
1: No, he really didn't, and um, I just don't like bullpen games. They're so depressing to me. They don't they don't seem like nobody wants to do that, and yet there they are having to do that with. I don't know. I just I get depressed when I watch them because I, I I long for the days when you had starters who could consistently go six or seven innings and because the twins have had so few of those guys um it's just it's i don't know it's just a strange thing to see
0: yeah i mean it was a weird game again glad that we won it but also glad that we don't have to talk about it anymore uh, so thank let's goodness move let's move to game four though. yes <laughs> or game so three we, can, we missed game three. game three yeah we haven't oh, talked about we game gotta three talk yet. about game, game three we have to talk about game three for a couple of reasons here twins win four three maeda was on the mound gave uh six innings three earned runs and a a little bit frustrating when he gave up those runs, but one walk, eight strikeouts—he looked good, Dan.
1: He really, really did. Um, I mean, they've they've gotten such consistency out of him. I mean, he's he's their MVP so far this season. Don't you have to think? Besides, uh, at least to the pitching staff.
0: Uh, the pitching staff n- no question I mean Dobnik was kind of neck and neck with him for a while but now Maeda showing that he's getting into games I don't know I think he's got to be the MVP of the pitching for sure at this point and
1: I think just because of the way that he showed up well and part of it maybe I guess they both have really interesting stories right um, but, but because Maeda you know came in as a guy who's never pitching this way in September because he's not allowed to right yes. because of the way that they manipulate his contract his contract is so incentive laden so I just I just find joy in seeing him he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's trying to stick it to the Dodgers but but you don't you get that sense like he is just basking in the chance to finally start in these kinds of games
0: Yes, it's wonderful, and you can see it. Like, you can see it when he's on the mound, and you can see it when he's coming off the mound. I think he just kind of has this air of confidence about him, knowing that he's the guy on the team, and he's not the guy who they're toying with. Well, should we move him to the bullpen? No, they really like this guy, and they like him starting for the team, and he's going to have that spot clearly, clearly through the postseason.
1: And this was a great game to show, you know, that that trade of Rall. I mean, we saw Maeda on the mound today, um, and we saw a guy like Alcala come in and basically be Gratterall. This team has is not missed Bruce darr at all.
0: No, not at all, which is great to see because, frankly, it was a concern. Frankly, a lot of those teams are looking for solid bullpen arms, and just the fact that we were able to give one up and not feel it, it's crazy. It's a crazy time in Twins baseball.
1: And I will just... So, the, the end of this game was... <sighs> It was just such such a joyful end of the game, that ninth inning. Um, so first of all, just to recap. So Detroit was up three to, to one, right, in the seventh, um, going in the bottom. And then Sano hits a towering home run, cut it down to three to two to w- get it within striking distance. And then the ninth inning, when the Twins are able to manufacture two runs, starring Eddie Rosario, I believe. This oh. is when we f- first get to talk about him. I mean, that was really fun to see him make a good decision don't you think taking second base there
0: okay so that was that was weird okay that was weird for a couple of reasons here okay well so it's just it's absolutely insane so you have runners you have Cruz on third you have two outs and you have Eddie on first and you have Byron Buxton at the plate and what happens next Dan in almost any circumstance I would say is odd Eddie Rosario steals second base And it was one of those things where, I mean, it may have been indifference as you sort of alluded to. It's probably not worth it to make the throw because you got the guy on third, but Eddie stealing second That was vital because what happened next, folks, if you haven't seen this, you have to go and you have to watch the replay right now. Byron Buxton, I don't know, man, him and Usain Bolt, they got to have a race, I think, because at least from home plate to to first base, at least just that race, you know, because Buxton needs a little bit of home field advantage, I think. But Buxton hits what can really only be described as a routine ground ball, a four hopper to the shortstop, and he beats out the throw. For a walk-off infield single, which I don't think there's another player in the MLB who beats that throw, Dan.
1: No, I don't think so. And, and what was great to—it was when you watch when I rewatched it again. I was thinking that he has no business. reaching first base on that before, I mean, the only thing that I could think of is that he had a little momentum going for him because it was low and outside. And so he kind of reached for it and he was already kind of moving towards first base. It almost felt like an Ichiro type of play. You know, Ichiro was always so good at like, you you felt like he was halfway down the baseline when he hit the ball um, because he would do those little drag hits uh, or little slap hits. I mean, my goodness, that guy is so fast. So fast. It's so
0: fast. It's so fast. It's just absolutely incredible. And I think
1: it the was... play was at second, right? I think that they could have gotten Rosario at second because you figure he could have, he would have, the shortstop wouldn't have had to rush to get to it, right? He could have yeah. led, given another bounce and I think he would have gotten the throw at second.
0: Yeah, I think it definitely was possible. And so a quick note too about Sano in that ninth inning, you could tell that he was trying to swing the end of the game. He wanted to hit a walk-off home run and he didn't. But when he had two strikes on him, Dan, you could see him adjust and Justin Morneau actually noted That in the broadcast, he said you can see that he changed his mindset. He's no longer doing that uppercut violent swing. He's just trying to put the ball in play and get on base. And so for to him just to knock a single there that really keeps the game alive and keeps it to a point where hey, we can still win this thing. Fantastic awareness by Miguel Sano.
1: That was such a mature move by him. And I just I've seen such I mean maturity out of Miguel Sano this season. Um, just to choke up and do that. He showed an awareness of the situation, and I think that he is starting to realize that pitchers are afraid of him right they don't want to throw him a pitch in the middle of the plate so he he kind of needs to realize they're going to try to trick him with those sliders that look he he has the benefit of the doubt now i think or the benefit of the fear of other pitchers and he's just realizing it um, which is so fun to see
0: yeah i mean you hope he can do that it's just a little bit frustrating because he does seem to have those games like in game one he went he went 0-3 three with three strikeouts. It's like, what is with those games? Is he just, can he just not do it? Like, can he not stay focused enough during those times? Like, you just hope that he can stay with it and keep these longer streaks going because I don't even mind if he's not getting hit, but it's just, when he's striking out, it's a different Miguel Sano when he puts up a game where he's striking out three times. He just seems like a different player on those games where he's just not as dialed in. And maybe that's just the way it goes. Maybe there's just ebbs and flows with him at the plate, but it's just frustrating those games Games where he strikes out three times and fails to make contact.
1: Well, I remember one game I went to the, to see Kirby Puckett play, and he struck out five times in one game. So I think even the best of hitters will have days like that. Granted, Miguel okay, well, Sino seems to have. Yeah, I, I shouldn't yeah, be comparing him up. to Kirby.
0: <laughs> Everybody, let's uh, let's <laughs> back up. Let's back that train up just a little bit. So, so Kirby Puckett has one off day every third season, and, and five in one game though. That's pretty bad. I don't have Cinote on that. I'd probably I don't know if nothing else I'm sure their averages aren't particularly close to it I look just remember
1: my friend Alex was with me at that game and I don't I think that formed his opinion of Kirby Puckett I, I think he might not think he's a hall of famer hopefully Alex is oh. listening and can refute me but uh man alive yes so um, has some ups and downs but he he's been up for about a month here and that's been really fun to see
0: yes agreed so let's move forward here game four this one this is an ugly experience dan i don't i don't want to talk about this game but we have to tigers beat the twins 10 to 8 they had no business winning this game they had no business even being in this game after the fifth inning and the twins bullpen implodes rich hill doesn't get deep enough in the game eddie rosario doesn't deserve to play baseball anymore after this game
1: well here's the deal Every team's going to have a bad game. We have not seen the Twins have a bad bullpen game like this, right?
0: This was not a bullpen game. He'll started.
1: I shouldn't say. I don't mean bullpen game. I mean they have
0: not had the no, bullpen you do, implode. Because he'll start like it. This. He might as well be. He <laughs> might as well be a bullpen arm. Yes, I'm um, with you.
1: But they have not had their bullpen implode like they have, and we're what thirty something games into the season. So I am not feeling like well. <sighs> There's a lot of reasons why the Twins should have won this game, right? Like, I'm not disputing that. But I'm merely saying, this is going to happen. This is just going to happen to team.
0: I guess but so anyway so Hill gets through five he only gives up two runs which isn't crazy Um, again it always felt like he was working out of trouble gave up six hits and then May came in doesn't even get through an inning gives up four hits three earned runs looks terrible why Rocco didn't pull him out is absolutely beyond me then he brings in Duffy who apparently forgot how to pitch in a moment of of confusion there because he's supposed to be the shutdown guy and he normally is he only gave up one earned run but it just kind of felt like it snowball effect after May came out and so so Romo comes in. He gives up a run. Smelzer comes in. And dear goodness, the human white flag, Devin Smelzer, thank goodness he got sent down, Dan.
1: Well, that's because he had to be, right? That was the plan. Now they brought up Stay Shack and he can be that flag again, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, he everybody needs get one. Sent down. And... No,
0: Dan, I don't care if he had to be sent down. That man needed to be sent down regardless. Well,
1: I think he was going to get sent down anyway. But he made the choice a lot easier, right, after that outing. But I think we need to talk about Eddie Rosario's game here. Because... I... <laughs> I mean, you wrote on the notes, we got a lot, we got a lot of Rosario notes here, um,
0: but <laughs> There's too many. So, okay, first of all, let's get through some of the okay things. So, one, the home run that Eddie gave up, he didn't he didn't give it up pitching, mind you, but he, he was playing at the back of the wall. He jumped. It was a really weak jump. I don't know if he just didn't get his legs under him in time or what the deal was, but the ball touched his glove, but it bounces out. Home run. No problem. That's one thing. Again, it would have been a great catch had he caught it. He was frustrated with himself. It was clear that he was frustrated with himself. But then, Dan, the guy runs through a stop sign at third base. So instead of being in scoring position, he gets thrown out at the plate and it's not particularly close. And Diaz, Dan, almost tackles him because he has the stop sign up and Eddie's not even looking at him. Eddie's looking back at the play. And it's like, what is the point of a third base coach if your runners aren't even going to look at him?
1: So that, I think, is the point, right? Because, yes, he should be looking... I I feel like one of the criticisms of Eddie that is very fair is that he is just... There's more than one. He is not... He's not doing what he should be doing fundamentally there right so if you are coming in a situation you should be finding your third base coach and and i get that there's something to be said for being caught up in the moment but you're that that's not your job right your job there is to find the third base coach and do what he says because he is not caught up in the moment like you want to, you don't want to be caught up in the moment there because if anybody's caught up in the moment they want to score right that's yeah. the, that's the idea so that was disappointing David.
0: That was that was not the only disappointment there for Eddie Rosario. I think maybe what's hard about this game is that they lose the game, but as far as like at the plate, Eddie goes two for four with a walk. I mean, it wasn't a bad day at the plate, but his mistakes were either in the field or they were on the base paths. And the other thing that was just the most confusing play, and granted, everybody was confused, but I'm not cutting Eddie any slack, and, and here's why. So there's a weird play where there's a ball hit down the left field line. And it bounces. It's a fair ball. And it bounces, but then it hits the limestone that's to the left of the left field foul line. But it bounces back into play. Eddie stops because he thinks, oh, the ball's out of play. Well, here's the thing about target field, folks. Limestone is considered in play. So even though the limestone is technically outside of the foul line, because that ball hit the limestone and kicked back into play, the ball is still live. So that lets another run score and lets the runner advance to third base. So it's one of those things where, again, Dick Bramer didn't know. Justin Morneau didn't know. I didn't know. It was a very confusing time. But here's the thing also, folks. I've never started a game in left field at Target Field. I have never started a game at left field at Target Field. You know who has started just a few of them? You know who thought maybe at some point he should learn what the rules are about the position in the field that he's gonna play most of his games in. Any idea what one of those rules are, or who that person could be? Eddie friggin Rosario, Dan Thompson.
1: You know, okay. I, I just, I, I'm just trying to imagine what those meetings were like, because you would think that at some point, if you're out there enough, you would think, you know, I wonder what would happen if, <laughs> right? Like, and I, I'm with you. Like, I did not. I and Dick bramer had said this, and I believe him. He'd never seen that play happen, and yes, I'm kind of surprised that it hadn't before, right?
0: I, Well, you got to think the ball has to bounce at such a weird angle because it has to be a fair ball to start and then bounce out and come back in. And the limestone isn't particularly at a great angle for that to happen.
1: No. And I forget, was it an opposite feel hit or was it a pull hit?
0: Well, it was scope. So what's what's scope here? Scopes a righty. So that would have been a pull. See, hit and there. I would,
1: anyway, I, I guess we could talk spin angle and, and spin direction and things like this. I, I am, I'm with you where Eddie's got to know that if there's anybody in the ballpark who should know that besides Rocco Baldelli, it is, and his bench coach, it should be Eddie Rosario. Like you just have to know that, that that's the rule.
0: Well, and here's the thing, because Rocco, they had the cameras on him for quite a bit. He didn't look confused. No, we, so not at all. No, no, and that's part of the reason why I think Eddie knew, or Eddie should have known, that he just wasn't listening during those meetings. He was—I don't know if he was browsing Facebook, liking, liking pictures of himself, what he was doing in those <laughs> meetings. But my goodness, Eddie, you got to pay a little bit more attention, especially when when you know that's kind of your job, Dan. That's kind of his or, job, or or
1: at the least, you just play—you play hard. And you get that ball back in. So it doesn't matter. Yes. Right? Yes. I mean, like, like that would be my thing with him. And he's done this before. It's the same thing as if a guy doesn't, and he's done this, a a ball is obviously hit over his head for a home run. And he doesn't even try to go after it. Right? It's that kind of play where it's like, you can't just, he's relying on his natural talent to keep him in that lineup where another guy... It wouldn't be allowed that kind of indulgence, right, of, of a lack of effort. Like, that's the part that bugs me, is that he didn't even try to throw it back in. He just assumed that he knew the rule right, and then was leisurely. He's he's leisurely so often when he fields balls, even even today. You yeah. know, there was one that's hitting the corner, and, I think like it was Scope again. And Eddie's kind of getting there, and he's kind of thinking, well, you know, I'll, I'll get it to third before Scope's going to get there. And, and it's kind of this gentleman's agreement where it's like, if Scope would have run hard on that play, I don't think he would have gotten to third. But it's a close—anyway, I'm rambling now. But well, that's frustrating.
0: It's it is. Well, and the other thing that you notice too is that so he made a play, um, and he almost had an outfield assist at home, but uh, Asudio fails to pick up the ball and make the tag. That was a little bit of a weird play at home anyway. So you can watch the replay there because we're still pretty convinced the Detroit runner didn't touch home plate, but the video evidence is pretty hard to make that case. So the run counted anyway, but there there have been more than one occasion now so far this season where Rosario tries to make the outfield assist when that's not actually the right play, Mm -hmm. where he should be hitting the cutoff man. This probably wasn't one of those situations, but it happens enough that every time I see Eddie just wind up to launch a ball, it's like okay, fifty-fifty shot. He's going the right direction, and fifty-fifty shot. It's a miraculous play or not?
1: Yeah, and I, I just think he he's just not playing smart out there. He's playing with. I just think too often Eddie is trying to make the flashy play and not the smart play.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a great way to summarize it. Certainly is. And who
1: talks to him about that? Like who's going to say to Eddie? And I, because I, I, I think guys. I can assume. Change. I
0: hang on. I'm pretty sure what happens. Just so we can clear this up. I think. I think Buxton. Talks to Cruz, who talks to Rocco, (laughs) who tells Cruz to talk to Eddie again. I'm pretty sure that's how that loop
1: works. And I, you know, I I trust that uh, that's happening. But I, I don't know. I, I love the Flash of Eddie. Right? The Flash is fun. It's those plays that are maddening, and it's like, and it and it it cost them at least an opportunity to get back into this game and win that game late.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was a frustrating game again. Twins lose ten to eight. Let's move on. I don't want to talk about this game anymore. Yeah, so Game 5, Twins get back on track. They win 6-2. Michael Pineda makes his second start, and Dan, he looks good, man.
1: He looks good. I mean, he went a long time today, right? I mean, he went into the, was it into the, into the eighth or did he just, he just finished the 7th he?
0: he? just finished the seventh, but he only gave up two runs, two walks, eight strikeouts. Man, he is in mid-season form in a season that I don't know that mid-season form is really a, a thing because of how weird this season is.
1: And what a credit to him to, to stay mentally prepared. You know, that guy has, has not pitched in almost a year. Um, and to not miss a beat like that is what a, what a, a credit to his professionalism
0: yeah you know you do wonder a little bit maybe he's playing a little bit with a chip on his shoulder too well i would hope it, so right <laughs> well well, no but like like hear me out just a second so as far as what he's thinking i mean he gets suspended for illegal drug use but it's one of the first times that i see where the drug sentences reduced because it didn't appear that he was actually flushing peds from his system he was actually taking this drug to lower his blood pressure or weight mm-hmm. and so it's one of those things where i think for a guy like that especially who a guy. Who I think is innocent, honestly. Like, granted, I don't think it was wise, um, and maybe you know you can call me gullible or naive or, or wide-eyed innocent, uh, what have
1: I, you. I don't think I would call you those things. I
0: think that's. Just, <laughs> what?
1: I think it's a, a, a well. I'll fin- finish your thought.
0: Yeah. So I just think that for him, I think it's important for him to show that he's a dominant pitcher and he wasn't a dominant pitcher because he was using performance enhancing drugs.
1: I I agree. And And I think that's okay to be. I think you can give him the benefit of the doubt there. I mean, he took every step along that process a year ago. None of the steps that he took said that he was covering anything up or he was disingenuous. Like, I think I like how you said it, like it was an unwise choice. To, to handle it the way that he did kind of going through you know a, a different trainer and things like you know like guys need to be smarter about it but i don't doubt his heart and i don't d- doubt his intention
0: yeah absolutely so this game really i mean it just looks good start to finish six to two twins win there were a couple of things to note here one including you know have we talked about eddie rosario at all? this i, I think episode? we've talked
1: about him a little bit he did win me Puckett's picks this week so uh, I, I, I don't do have care. a lot of room there
0: I, to be honest i wanted to void that win somehow i wanted to find a way to make sure that he didn't score enough points to win. But we'll get to that in a second. I just want to talk a little bit about Rosario makes a great swing of the bat, screams a ball down the right field line. It bounces off the first base bag. And Dan, he could be in scoring position on second base, bases clearing double. Instead, he tries to make it a triple and he gets thrown out. And it's those types of things, Dan, that like, okay so I was watching this game it was Labor Day I was with my family my sister and my dad were both like well no no he's you know he had a great he had a great hit and he got to second I'm like no no that is what is wrong with the Twins mindset is that I don't care that he got a great double right that's great what matters though is that if the Tigers come back into this game like they did the game before all of a sudden Rosario getting thrown out at third means a lot more than it does in a game that we end up winning 6-2 and it just bothers me that he doesn't have the maturity and the composure to realize oh you know what second base is probably more important than third base in this instance
1: yeah i agree i, I think if it's a different guy you can chalk it up to being just over aggressive rather than just being inattentive Eddie. to the reality of the situation so if if byron buxton does that well first of all if byron buxton does that he gets the third because he's so fast yes. um but i think if Buxton it's like, might
0: get home he might truthfully yes. but but if
1: it's uh jorge polanco for example who doesn't have the track record of bonehead plays i can can forgive that. I can't forgive that play by Eddie. you, you, you got to be smarter than that. you got to know the double is what's important here. You can stand on second and watch your buddy score and clap yes. and clap and clap. You, it's still a big play without having to force it to be a triple.
0: Yeah, and real quick, just a note about Buxton in this game. The play that he had where he, okay, so he hits a screamer up the middle of the field, hits off the pitcher's glove. Anybody else in the league, Dan, anybody else in the league, that's a single. The ball trickles into left center, and, and Buxton 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 runs to second base he gets a stand-up double on what should have been a weird bouncy single at best which is just again shows how that guy the effort that he puts in and what his speed can do for this team Dan. it's remarkable
1: so so Rocco had this quote where he was talking about how when the team has Byron Buxton in the clubhouse they think that they can win they don't think they know they're gonna win that day with him and there's this confidence that he gives and it's not because he's the fastest player in baseball it's because he's the fastest player in baseball and he still works harder than everybody else that is what's so fun about him that's what makes him you know if we're going to talk about kids having idols in baseball and things like that and I, I shy from that generally as a practice in many ways but, but he's a guy that I want my kids to look at and say he works really hard it's almost like he doesn't even realize he has all the ability in the world he's not going to let that be the reason that people think he's great people are going to think Byron Buxton is great because he works
0: so hard. It's so exciting every time he's on the field and it's just great that he's healthy and I hope he stays that way. But the other note here on this game, it was good to have Stashek back. He came in, pitched well. And then Taylor Rogers. I really think that this is that that sort of confidence boosting game that we had talked about Um, because he got called on for the save in game one it was great to see him come in to this last game to close out the series and to strike out the side dan and if there's anything that you can do to boost a closer's confidence it's strike out the side even if it's against the detroit tigers
1: oh you had to get a shot against against the tigers there didn't you You couldn't just let it slide you had to say even if
0: (laughs) Um, yes but anyway uh again twins win 6-2 great game five let's move into the segment. Dan, we had five games. I don't know. We got to start here. Yes. Yes, folks. This is a very hard, hard time for me right now. Puckets picks. Dan took Rosario and he gets the win. I had Donaldson and Donaldson just didn't perform in the way that I had hoped that he had now that he was back and healthy. Rosario scores 12 points. Donaldson scores seven. I, I still, Dan, I want to find a way to make this not count as a win for you.
1: It There's some part of me that just, this is not my proudest moment, but I will say it it does illustrate amid all of the the buffoonery that he had this series, he was a very important player in this series. I mean, he, he did have some really big plays. He had some bonehead plays too. I hope that the big overwhelmed the bonehead. Do you think it did? I I think so, but...
0: uh. My judgment is, frankly, clouded in this area, so it's really (laughs) hard for me to say whether or not that his big moments that he performed well outweigh the ones in which he performed maddeningly. I don't even know... Dan, it's just beyond frustrating. Anyway, that's your fourth win on the season. Congratulations! Thank you very much. My I appreciate, so, that. appreciate that. Appreciate Yeah. So uh, we had a couple of ties there, and then I had two wins in a row, and then you're back in the uh, the old W. Uh, I was column, getting worried. So. I was
1: getting worried. All right. What about Beast versus Bench here, sir?
0: Yeah. Okay, I gotta be honest, Dan. I don't know. I don't know. And in a way, I want to make Eddie Rosario my beast, and I want to make him my bench. But to start with, with beast here, I'm gonna give it to Buxton. Again, I did. I realized it wasn't perfect, but my goodness, every play that guy made, the consistency in the field, that walk off infield single. I I can't get over it, Dan. I gotta give Buxton my beast, even if he wasn't perhaps the most instrumental guy this series. I kind of think he was. I do. I you know no scratch all that. Yes, Buxton is my beast, and he deserves to be my beast. Tell me why I'm wrong, Dan.
1: I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong because I I would agree with you. I think I also want to spread some praise around, though, to Jorge Polanco because he solidified the leadoff role. And in a way, he kind of answered my question last week, like who's going to lead off for this team? He looked really good doing it. And so I was really encouraged by the fact, you know, he had the leadoff home run in game one. Um, He was four for four in game two. And I realized. You know he wasn't perfect. He didn't. You know he was over four the next game, uh, but he was two for five, and then he had the day off today. And so I thought that was just really a great stabilizing thing to see. If they're not going to put Arias up there at the top, at least Polanco is performing well when given that opportunity.
0: Yes, I think that's a that's a an astute point and one that I agree with. That Polanco does deserve to uh, to get some praise there as well. I mean, there's a lot of guys who I think could really be shown as as stepping up this series. Rooker played really well. I don't think well enough to get the uh, the beast role, and unfortunately, Dan, I didn't do the count, and I'm nervous to, to be honest, as far as how many points Jake Cave scored. But Jake Cave did not have a bad series, Dan.
1: No, he didn't, and he it shows that when he is your fourth outfielder, that's a good spot for him. Right, He can step in and he can be a guy who comes off the bench and plays well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Who's on your bench, Dan?
1: You know, in in looking at it, it is hard to give it to a position player, I think, um, given the way things went. So I I am going to give it to Trevor May because he just did not look good in that situation when they really needed him to just get a couple. You know, he could give up a run. uh, But to give up three that way and just to not look... Very good in that game for He was the start of the bullpen's problems there. So I'm, I'm going to give it to, to Trevor man. He hasn't been great this season. He's uh, That ballooned his rate of 5.74. I would like to see him get better.
0: I mean, he hasn't had many opportunities this season either. Like, I feel like we don't see him that often. Who's on your bench? Um, My bench, I g- got to give it to Smelzer, man. I am so glad that he got sent down. I feel bad. Like, grand, you never want to see a young guy not perform well, but it was time for him to go. It was so frustrating to see him come in the game and just, they continued to tack on run. He didn't look good. And Dan, when you haven't been a starter or even a long guy out of the bullpen that long and teams already have you figured out, it's not good. Like that was what I was concerned with with Dobnik a little bit is that just teams didn't have enough information on him. But really, he's starting to look like, no, he's a real deal pitcher. Smelter is the exact opposite, where maybe he had a couple of good outings when he first came up because guys didn't know what to expect. But now, Dan, no, it's you can't keep putting him out on the mound. It's just it's irresponsible at this point.
1: Irresponsible. You heard me. Well, he's not going to be on the mound anymore anytime soon so yes you, thank, so you get your wish there
0: thank goodness Rocco's rewind Dan tell me about Rocco's performance here in this series
1: you know I wanted so I will talk about Eddie's bonehead play in, in left field and I realize you're gonna say which bonehead play are you talking about Dan? <laughs> in that same voice you just had but um but I'm gonna say I, I'm really impressed that he knew that rule about the ground rule to, to the point where he was not he didn't have to look it up his bench coat seemingly didn't have to remind him like the cool and collectiveness of Rocco Baldelli to know that that play was on Eddie. And then even after the game, he didn't really, he didn't go out of his way to, to throw Eddie under the bus really hard. Right? Like I was just, I'm very impressed with the way that he will, he's just demeanor. I love his demeanor. I love the way that he knew the rule just as you need somebody to know it anyway i'm I'm rambling now what do you what do you think about
0: that it's fine I don't know like what can he do right like it looks silly if he walks out on the field and starts yelling at Eddie gets tossed from the game for yelling at his own player like I guess I guess he did what he I, yes I, I agree it was good that he knew the rule that's fine. I don't know. I don't want to talk about that well, play well, but here's what I mean. I
1: mean <laughs> but what I mean, though, is that he could have tried to make a scene to stand, you know, like he could have come out and talked and complained and such and kind of made a scene almost to even protect Eddie Rosario in that situation. But he doesn't. He just takes it in stride. You move on. You still try to win the game.
0: Well, yeah, that's because he'd look like a jerk if he went out on the field and argued, especially if he knew the rule. No,
1: I agree. But but I guess the fact that he knew the rule, too, I guess that's what it comes back to, because it's a strange thing to. And I know you're supposed to know your field. I guess I, guess I get that. But who knew that rule aside from yeah. him in the in the stadium?
0: Yeah, I know. But he's also paid to know that rule. Like I, I know that it's like, yes, it is clever and it's good that he knew that rule. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but if you're getting paid millions of dollars, you should know that rule book in and out, Dan. I
1: know. All right. Maybe I should. I just, hooray for uh, Rocco. I'll say for that. For knowing
0: here, the guess. rules. Okay, well. folks. Uh, <laughs>
1: All right, you're minimizing my point but go ahead all right
0: go ahead go ahead all right I'm well aware what I'm doing Dan yeah right, right, so my, yeah I had a couple of thoughts here for Rocco one I was a little bit confused not confused but I, I think letting Maeda start off in the seventh and then he began to struggle that was a little disappointing maybe you sit him after six and be like you know what let's let the bullpen do it I get Letty Rogers back in the closer role maybe he's proved us wrong and that Rogers does belong in that role and he just needed some confidence boost um the the last thing I guess is really the bigger question that I had that in game four when the release leavers were struggling do you think he should have had an earlier pull for him that's really my question is that i wonder i wonder if he's letting him ride out too long and again anytime you were putting smelter out on that mount it's just so frustrating that it's one of those things where it's like okay well so you don't want to win this game i'm glad we have that figured out but i do wonder if he should be pulling those guys a little sooner when they get into trouble
1: i think if you get to the playoffs yes i think that he sees the long game here and that there is benefit to leaving these guys out there so that they have to work through some of these situations um This is a playoff team, no matter what happens basically here, right? I mean, like, barring a total collapse. And I think there is something to be said for just saying, work through this. He's not leaving them out to dry. Um It's not like he's embarrassing them.
0: Yeah, they did that very well themselves, Dan.
1: <laughs> well, that's what I mean. I mean, I think that they're they're learning, you know, they're learning how to work out of those situations, because it's better, at least, if they have had some experience doing that, and then he can pull the hook in the playoffs and say, I just don't think this is the right moment.
0: I think it's a, it's a fair point, and I'm probably being overly harsh. I think it's just frustrating that to take five of five games, Dan, would be such a rare feat and such a rare opportunity to have this kind of weird five-game series. It was just disappointing to see that game slip out of our grasp there. I
1: agree with you there. It was disappointing because a 5-0 and series, how cool would that be?
0: Yeah, right. All right, let's move forward here. Minnesota moment, Dan. Give me your Minnesota moment for the series. How
1: can it not be... <laughs> The end of game three. Um, it's got to be with Buxton stealing, not stealing that base, but it, that's what it felt like. Yeah, what it was. It the, the painful part to me was that there were not thirty five thousand fans there to cheer it. Yes, um, and, agreed. And t- how cool would it would be to have been in that or in that, been in that stadium and seen that play happen. How cool.
0: yeah I I don't know what else it could be Uh, that's not true there's a couple other things you could point to but it's just it's so good and it was so exciting and Dan I've the people who I've encountered who haven't seen that play I have either made them watch it immediately or implored them to track it down the next free moment that they had but folks again I cannot tell you you need to watch this play just watch the speed and just think about it this way just just watch that play and think if anyone else hits this ball it's a routine grounder to the shortstop but when Byron Buxton hits that ball you don't know what could happen and to me dan when i saw that play i had two things run through my mind one are we sure that he doesn't have some sort of robotics in his legs or something something to give him that little pep in his step something in his shoes perhaps and two should byron ever not reach base that's the other thing when he does it when he puts the ball in play at this point i don't know that there's any ball that he can justify not not making it to first base at this point it
1: it does make those ground into double plays that he had a couple series ago it makes it uh, like what was happening there do
0: you wonder if that was kind of in the back of his mind like i'm gonna get those back now
1: oh totally like i bet he's thinking that is never happening to me again
0: you do wonder how many times he attempted running around the world backwards in order to make sure those didn't happen. A little a la Flash situation here. Nice, but nice. Yeah. Uh, So Mauer's Musings, Dan, what do you got for me here? What questions do you have? We're getting down there, Dan. We're coming to the end of the season. I mean, we still got some series left, certainly. Man, we are definitely on the downslope. What are you thinking about?
1: So I, my question that I wrote down is, has Snow arrived? Like, is this the mature version of Snow that we're going to just see now for the next few years um because because of the at-bats that we talked about earlier the the two strike counts where he changes his approach um the way that he seems to understand that he has the respect of other pitchers and that he doesn't need to go up there and hit a home run to make it effective at bat and, and the way that he is just protecting the plate and, and protecting his teammates i just think you know this is really fun to see and i think also him playing over he's played a really good first base this year too digging balls out and i, I just really
0: good. hang on hang on hang on <laughs> he has been he has been adequate at first base, but let's not. He's not winning any awards, Dan. Thompson. Is he not a
1: Gold Glove first baseman no, in this situation? No. Maybe not. So he's
0: not even a Bronze Glove well, for but first he's, baseman. But he's
1: catching the baseball even when it hits the ground first. Congratulations,
0: like, really? dear goodness, Dan. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, I stick with that. That's my question.
0: <laughs> yes, it should still be a question. Anyway, my Mauer's musings here. I have, you know, here's my question: What do you do? About Eddie Rosario? That's my question. That's not I know what you he... wrote
1: down, David. Are you going I off don't script care. here?
0: I'm going off script. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> what do you do about Eddie Rosario and can he be fixed? Because he clearly can, because he's been much more plac- patient this season, at least at times. Can you make Eddie a consistent player and someone who another team would be willing to trade for? <laughs> that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> so about. you just want
1: to increase his trade value, if that's really what uh, you want, and then you can ditch him? Is that how you feel?
0: Give another one of these young guys a chance. I don't know. I I'd go back and forth because clearly he's productive at the plate and he does have games where he's just fantastic and where he's making great plays but there's too many of these instances Dan where I just, my blood pressure can't take it. Dan, I'm going to die young anyway I don't want Eddie taking that many more lo- years off my life.
1: I think the answer is yes. I think Rocco's playing the long game here and I think Not he,
0: just Rocco, Dan, every manager the Twins know, but, have had going back.
1: <laughs> but, I, but I think the fact that he has shown the improvement you've talked about I think suggests that he is aware of his shortcomings perhaps as a player i think he's quite aware of his excellences but i think hopefully a manager like rocco can can walk him toward a little bit more discerning approach to baseball
0: yeah i i we'll see we'll see i hope that eddie continues to improve his game and and we haven't seen the top-notch eddie rosario that we have let's wrap up this series dan series grades Lay it down.
1: I'm feeling good. A minus. I think you win four out of five. You have a couple comeback wins in there. I know that the bullpen imploded in Game Four. It's the first time it's happened all year. Um, one of my notes was that so there were 18 runs in that game. Uh, obviously the most combined in the Twins game this year. Um, and there were I think 10 of those after the All Star break last year. I realize you know there's more games to be played there, but I think this is the first time we've seen them implode. So I, I can give them a mulligan. I'm gonna say A minus.
0: Here's the thing, Dan, I would give them a B plus, but then here's the deal. You would tell me how that's so vastly different from an A minus that you would say, oh no, no, that's a totally different thing that, I mean, you're way off base here with that grade. So I'm going to give them a B, Dan, just to make sure that there's some some variance here. Again, this kind of goes back to the same thing that I did in the last series, that winning four of five in my mind, yes, probably an A, maybe an A minus as you gave them, but because they lost that game in the way that they did, I just, I can't. I can't force myself to give them an A when they perform inadequately in a game that they should have won and swept a five-game series. I think it's just my heart is still broken that they had that opportunity and they, and they couldn't pull it out, Dan. I'm sorry.
1: I, I don't agree with your grade. But of course you, you don't. You've you never agreed with interest. any
0: of my grades. No, I Dan. haven't.
1: I haven't. I think you're wrong. Um, but an A- minus <laughs> seems to fit the body of work, uh, according to the rubric that I have, a little bit better. So I with the a-. rubric
0: my goodness I okay, can't show right. you
1: the grading piece cuz I don't want I think for the point of our banter I think it'd be better if you didn't see it
0: You don't get but off and of a- you minus. don't have a grade I what?
1: I might have I might have a rubric you just yeah. you just wait
0: Oh man well folks so right now the Minnesota Twins are a game back in the AL Central one game back that's it. I mean, it is a tight race between the Chicago White Sox and Cleveland Indians, who are currently tied atop the division with the Twins only one game back. Dan, what do you see happening here? I mean, the the games are dwindling, Dan. The games are dwindling, and this race really couldn't be much tighter than it is.
1: Isn't it fun? I, I think, you know, it will be, let, let's see what happens in about a week, right? When the White Sox series is done and the Indian series is done. I think that we will, we're just not going to know. It's going to be tight down to the very end.
0: So the Twins will go to St. Louis here for a weird kind of quick doubleheader and then come back. They got an off day on Thursday, and technically it'll be an off day on Wednesday and Thursday because of the doubleheader. And then they come back this weekend for a home series against Cleveland, Dan, a three-game series that should be appointment viewing for any Twins fan.
1: I think, well, first of all, with the St. Louis series, be sure to bring your toothbrush anybody who's going which i guess is no fans that was anyway i i'm excited for this little like journey journey to st louis i think they're doing it because st louis obviously missed all those games earlier yes. in the year with covid square so they're scared so they're just trying to Kind of give them some more days here um, to play some baseball, um, but that has got to be weird. But yes, the I hope that they don't overlook this St. Louis series because it'd be really nice to get two wins.
0: Yeah, two wins would be great, especially coming back to play Cleveland. I just I'm I'm so pumped for this Cleveland series, Dan. I can't get over it. Well,
1: let's not get ahead of ourselves. What about Puckett's picks? I think you get to pick first.
0: Oh my goodness, you're right. I skipped so ahead. I'm just so this whole episode. I've been so amped up about Rosario. I just can't deal. It's a short, short series, Dan. It'll be 14 innings of fury. I'm gonna go with Miguel Sano. I think he hits three homers in these two games. I'm calling it. I know it's ridiculous. I don't care. Miguel Sano is my pick.
1: I'm gonna take Nelson Cruz. Yeah, because I think well, because here's would. the deal. Because I think he's gonna play both games of that doubleheader, um, or at least I hope so. And even if I only get one game of Nelson Cruz, he's not gonna strike out as many times. As
0: Miguel Sano. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful! Two games in St. Louis. Come back here, play Cleveland. We got our picks in, Dan. I think we're ready to go. So, folks, thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at @minforthewin. You can find our Min for the Win page on Facebook. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. You'll be notified when new episodes are available and any new content. Uh, so, thanks for listening, and as always, go Twins! That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!